Welcome into Wednesdays with Walton on Scoops with DannyMac.com. We do this every Wednesday. Brian Walton of TheCardinalNation.com covering the Cardinals minor league system and the major leagues, but a special emphasis on the minors. This is brought to you by Lordo's Diamonds, your family's jeweler for life. Also, we're coming to you from the Lufuse Studios. Want to thank their great participation in scoopswithdannymac.com. Do your banking at Triad Bank. And right around the corner, it's the Ascension Charity Classic, ascensioncharityclassic.com. Let's bring in Brian Walton from the aforementioned thecardinalnation.com. And he just came back from Jupiter, Florida, the spring training home of the St. Louis Cardinals. And Brian, first of all, as always, thanks for doing this. And secondly, how was the uh, the trip down to Jupiter? Well, my first trip down was good. Uh, it was a little bit challenging in that the minor leaguers, uh, the step camp was just ending, and the uh, you know minor league camp was just beginning. So there's a lot of work going on, uh, but it's it's scrimmaging, it's it's uh, you know bullpens on the side. So I'll be back down next week uh, because the actual games will be underway, and we can learn a little bit more about. Uh, players changing positions, potentially moving up uh, when the season starts in the uh, around the sixth and seventh of April. I thought one of the biggest surprises, at least for me, but the the news with Freddie Pacheco, and maybe you can shed some light on that. Yeah, Freddie Pacheco, um, an international signee back when the Cardinals uh, spent the big money the year they signed Arroz uh, and Adolis Garcia, and a bunch of them blew way over their budget. Moved steadily through the system. Um, was our Freddie Pacheco was our minor league reliever of the year for the system the last two years? He were from 12 to 15 batters per nine innings. His walk rate fluctuated in the three, four, five range, but he got it down uh, the, the last year at Memphis under four, about three and a half. Uh, Pacheco was added to the 40 man roster after the 2020 season, 2021 season, excuse me. So he spent, you know, last year um, on the roster, but didn't really come close to coming up to St. Louis. Uh, a year ago, Freddie Pacheco was on the major league roster until the very end, until the 28th of March uh, in big league camp. But this year, uh, Pacheco was in the first round of cuts before he ever even pitched in a game. And that's kind of unusual for a 40-man roster pitcher, especially a guy that was at AAA and, uh, you know, had, I think he was second in the system in saves last year. So it was clear that the, the Cardinals had soured on Freddie Pacheco. And so what they did... Uh, 72 hours ago was put him on outright waivers, which means they wanted to remove him from the 40-man roster. And that then makes him available to any of the other 29 major league organizations if they wanted to add him to their 40-man roster instead. Detroit Tigers won that uh, waiver priority. They were the sixth in terms of one loss record, lowest one loss record last year. So they were able to pick up Freddie Pacheco for the cost of $50,000. And it's clear the Cardinals probably wanted to clear up a 40-man roster use for them to claim someone else, or you know, perhaps there's a 20-year-old outfielder who's playing very well in spring camp as a non-roster guy they might want to use a roster spot on. But it's a little surprising given for Pacheco's pedigree, but also because the Cardinals don't have a lot of proven right-handed bullpen guys. I mean, they do at the major league level, but if you look down in Memphis, there's really not a lot. Jake Walsh, you know, another young right-hander who we saw briefly last year, is really about it. So, you know, they've got to count on the the Palantes and Strattons and, and Verhagens to, to do the job this year because there's not a lot of proven right-handed relief down in Memphis. It's an interesting move, no doubt about it. Now, another young prospect that you had the chance to catch up with in Jupiter is Tink Hentz, and I know he's caught the attention of many people down there. Yeah, Tink Hentz has really started to catch attention from people across the country in that, um, you know, he's a, a – 
still just 20 years old, came from that great class of 2020, uh, has done a you know tremendous job pitching in A ball. But the challenge is, of course, he hasn't really gotten to go beyond four innings in an, an outing. He also, by the way, went to the Arizona Fall League last year after starting at Palm Beach. And so he's drawn a lot of attention, ha- um, has a great fastball, uh, a very, very good breaking pitch. You saw him get a couple of strikeouts with that, his last couple outings. Is going to be a starter in the major leagues, but relatively slight of build. Uh, hasn't really built up physically as much, I think, as the Cardinals would like to see. But again, you know, he's not a mature young man yet either in terms of physically. So uh, I talked with Tink Hentz in spring training uh, down, you know, in the, in the Cardinals clubhouse, and he talked about the importance of his family, you know, providing support for him. Um, he comes from the South, so, you know, being in Florida is a, is a positive for him. He's from Arkansas. Uh, you know, talked about the role of his father, somebody who's also very important in Jordan Walker's life. Um, he's talked about, you know, where he is in terms of all his offerings. Now, he really likes the pitch clock. He's one of these pitchers who says, hey, it's good. I see it as an advantage for me. And, uh, you know, he's a, a young man that we're going to see uh, rocket up the national prospect list. And hopefully uh, he'll start the season probably at Peoria, but maybe like Gordon Graceffo and uh, Michael McGreevy last year, he'll get a shot at double A before too long if he shows he can handle the Midwest League. And you can find that uh, visit with Tink Hintz at the Cardinal Nation. Dot com. You mentioned the 2020 class. He's a part of that. This, I mean, I know it's early, but this class could go down as one of the better classes the Cardinals could ever have, but certainly in recent history. Would you agree with that? Uh, I, I do, Dan. And, you know, this, obviously the jury's still out in that of that class, Alec Burleson's the only one who's reached the major league so far. And, you know, we spend so much time talking about Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn and take hands for good reason. We kind of forget about Alec Burleson, who was the first college player taken in that draft. And, uh, you know, we've already seen him contribute at the major league level. So uh, I think the Cardinals were in a good position for that draft in 2020 because, of course, that was the year COVID hit. And so the high school seasons especially didn't get up to full speed. So a lot of the teams didn't get to scout uh, the, the high school seniors that year just because they didn't have much of a season. And so the Cardinals had done their legwork on Walker and Wynn and Hence ahead of time. And so... You know, they were in a position where they were able to take risk, greater risk, because there's always, let's face it, there's always a greater risk taking a high school kid over a proven college kid. But the Cardinals felt like they were in a position where they could take some risk uh, with high school players in that draft and took them with their first three picks. Very unusual for the Cardinals. But, you know, at least at this point, they all look like they've been, you know, they're excellent picks. In terms of the, the AAA rotation, do you have an idea of what that might look like? Well, it'll be fun to see down in camp, you know, who's in those roles. But, you know, if you look at the at the starters at St. Louis level, you know, you assume Fla- Flaherty, uh, Michaelis, Montgomery, Wainwright, Mats are going to be your, your big five. But again, you know, Dakota Hudson is right there as well. Uh, we've seen uh, Jake Wordford pitch well, and but he's you know he's being used in a multiple inning role clearly, and there's no room for him to start. So you know it could be that Woodford's down there. Connor Thomas, the lefty, will be in the Memphis rotation. Um, whether or not Michael McGreevy and Gordon Graceffo both move up, I think they both easily could. Uh, Tommy Parsons, who we saw earlier in camp as a candidate, as is Kyle Leahy. So there's a lot of arms that are sort of competing to get in that. Uh, get in that queue, so to speak, to be the next one's called up when St. Louis needs a starter. And, of course, I shouldn't forget Matthew Libertor, who also, you know, along with Woodford, is pitching well this spring. So I came up with uh, 13 starting pitchers, potentially, between St. Louis and Memphis. And then if you assume Fiverr with St. Louis, that means, you you know, conceivably could have an eight-man rotation in Memphis of all very viable starting pitchers. Should be really interesting. The battles 
with the major league roster, uh, and I'm going basically to the backup catcher, bench roles, is Jordan Walker a part of this? I would assume those are some of the questions right now is, is camp is, uh, what do we got, about two to three weeks left, not even. So it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. Yeah, uh, there have been comments by Oliver Marmol and others praising Trace Barrera, who is a signee with a non-roster invite from the Nationals, experienced backup catcher, um, good at handling pitchers. Doesn't It's Kisner's job to lose, and he you know needs to continue to play well so that he stays there. Barrera is not on the 40-man roster, so you know chances are um, you know he's going to have to do more to make the team than Kisner to basically push Kisner out of that backup job. Wilson Contreras you know, has never played as many as 140 games behind the plate. He's more like 120, maybe 130 games, and he'll you know move into designated hitter position some. But there are at bats to be had at catcher. But you know, kind of the the behind the cover situation is Yvonne Herrera, who was, uh, you know, he still is a top 10 prospect in the system, got a brief cup of coffee with the Cardinals last year, you know, seems to be the odd man out. He's not being talked about in consideration for earning that backup spot that we thought he would be ready to compete for. So, you know, there's Herrera, uh, there's Pedro Pajes, who's done well in camp, and Barrera, all who will kind of be in that mix probably for Memphis, assuming that Kisner is able to hold on to his job. Finally, Brian, uh, thecardinalnation.com, providing a prospect guide for anybody that uh, is interested in the young players that are down in camp right now, tell us about that. Detailed scouting reports, multiple pages on um, over five dozen prospects in the Cardinal system. Uh, you know, of course, starting with the Walkers and Wins and Hansons and Graceffos, but out to to some of the younger players who folks maybe haven't heard a lot about. So, you know, if you really want to understand, you know, what's behind all the skills and the opportunities for the young players in the St. Louis Cardinal system, the Cardinal Nation Prospect Guide uh, is a proven proven document 292 pages it's in its sixth year it's available both in a, a spiral bound printed form so you can open it up or take it with you to the ballpark as well as in pdf version so you can load it on your tablet or your phone and and use it anywhere and uh of course i highly recommend it as you might expect uh, but a lot of folks have bought it every year now and uh you know i encourage those who haven't tried it to give it a look thank you sir we'll catch you up next wednesday you got it dan